Section 8 Business Part 2 of The Empire of Business by Andrew Carnegie. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by William Jones, Benita Springs, Florida. The Empire of Business, Section 8 Business Part 2 Businessmen and Speculators all pure coins have their counterfeits the counterfeit of business is speculation a man in business always gives value in return for his revenue and thus performs a useful function his services are necessary and benefit the community besides he labors steadily in developing the resources of the country and thus contributes to the advancement of the race this is genuine coin speculation on the contrary is a parasite fastened upon the labor of business men it creates nothing and supplies no want when the speculator wins he takes money without rendering service or giving value therefore and when he loses his fellow speculator takes the money from him it is a pure gambling operation between them degrading to both you can never be an honest man of business and a speculator the modes and aims of the one career are fatal to the other. No businessman can honestly speculate, for those who trust him have a right to expect strict adherence to business methods. The creditor takes the usual risks of business, but not those of speculation. The genuine and the counterfeit have nothing in common. That ninety-five percent fail of those who start in business upon their own account seems incredible and yet such are said to be the statistics upon the subject although it is said that figures will say anything still it is a fact that the proportion is very great do not think that i wish to discourage you against attempting to be your own masters and having a business of your own very far from it besides the coming businessman is not to be discouraged by anything that anybody can say he is a true knight who says with Fitzjames, if the path be dangerous known the danger self is lure alone the young man who is determined to be a business man will not be thwarted neither will he be diverted into any other channel and he is going to start and have a trial he will make a spoon or spoil a horn trying to make it he must go ahead and find it out time enough to confine yourself to a lifelong bondage as mere receivers of a salary after you have tried business and really discovered whether or no you are one of the gifted who possess all the necessary qualities i have tried to sketch the path of the exceptional graduate from salary to partnership it is no fancy sketch there is not a day passes without changes in many firms which raise young men into partnership and in every single city no first of january passes without such promotions business requires fresh young blood for its existence if any of you are discouraged upon this point let me give you two stories within my own experience which should certainly cheer you a sketch from life there is a large manufacturer the largest in the world in his line i know him well a splendid man who illustrates the business career at its best now like all sensible businessmen as he grew in years he realized that fresh blood must be introduced into his business 
that while it was comparatively easy for him to manage the extensive business at present, it was wise to provide for its continuance in able hands after he had retired. Rich men seldom have sons who inherit a taste for business. I am not concerned to say whether this is well or otherwise. Looking at the human race as a whole, I believe it is for good. If rich men's sons had poor men's necessities, and hence their ambitious abilities, there would be less chance for the students of colleges than there is. It was not to any member of his family that this man looked for the new young blood. A young man in the service of a corporation had attracted his attention in the management of certain business matters connected with the firm. The young man had to call upon this gentleman frequently. The wise man did not move hastily in the matter. About his ability he was soon satisfied, but that covered only one point of many. What were the young man's surroundings, habits, tastes, acquirements? Beyond his immediate business, what was his nature? He found everything in these matters just as he would have it. The young man was supporting a widowed mother and his sister. He had as friends some excellent young men and some older than himself. He was a student, he was a reader, had high tastes, of course. I need hardly say that he was a young gentleman highly self-respecting and soul of honor, incapable of anything low or vulgar. In short, a model young man, and, of course, poor. That goes without saying. The young man was sent for, and the millionaire told him that he should like very much to try him in his service and asked the young man if he would make the trial. The millionaire stated frankly what he was looking for, a young businessman who might develop and finally relieve him of much care. The arrangement was that he should come for two years as a clerk, subject to clerk's rules, which in this case were very hard, because he had to be at the factory a few minutes before seven in the morning. He was to have a salary somewhat larger than he had received, and if at the end of two years nothing had been said on either side, no obligations were given, each was free. He was simply on trial. The young man proudly said he would not have it otherwise. The business went on. Before the two years expired, the employer was satisfied that he had found that exceedingly rare thing, a young businessman. What a number of qualities this embraces, including judgment, for without judgment a businessman amounts to nothing. The employer stated to the young man that he was delighted with him, pleased with his services, and expressed his joy at having found him. He had now arranged to interest him in the firm. But to his amazement the young man replied, Thanks, thanks, but it is impossible for me to accept. What is the matter? You suit me. Do I not suit you? Excuse me, sir, but for reasons which I cannot explain, I am to leave your service in six months. When my two years are up, and I intend to give you notice of this, that you might fill my place. Where are you going? I am going abroad. Have you made any engagement? No, sir. Do you not know where you are going? No, sir. Nor what you are to do? No, sir. Sir, I have treated you well and I do think I am entitled to know the real reason. I think it is your duty to tell me. The reason was dragged out of the young man. 
You have been too good to me. I would give anything to be able to remain with you. You even invited me to your house. You have been absent traveling. You asked me to call often to take your wife and daughter to such entertainments as they wish to attend, and I cannot stand it any longer. Well, the millionaire, of course, discovered what all of you have suspected, just what you would have done under the circumstances. He had fallen in love with the daughter. Now, in this country, that would not have been considered much of an indiscretion, and I do not advise any of you to fight much against it. If you really love, you should overlook the objection that it is your employer's daughter who has conquered, and that you may have to bear the burden of riches. But in the land of which I speak it would have been considered dishonorable for a young clerk to make love to any young lady without the parent's permission. "'Have you spoken to my daughter?' was the question. The young man scarcely deigned to reply to that. "'Of course not. Never said a word, or led her to suspect in any way? Of course not.' "'Well,' he said, "'I do not see why you should not. You are the very kind of son-in-law I want if you can win my daughter.' "'Very strange, but somehow or other the young lady did not differ from Papa.' He was the kind of husband she wanted. Now that young man is a happy businessman today. Romance in Business I have another story which happened in another country. Both the fathers-in-law told me these stories themselves, and proud men they are, and proud am I of their friendship. You see, business is not all this hard prosaic life that is pictured. It bears romance and sentiment in it, and the greater the business, the more successful, the more useful, in my experience, there is found more romance and imagination. The highest triumphs, even in business, flow from romance, sentiment, imagination, particularly in the business of a world-wide firm. The other story is so similar to the first that successful telling is impossible. You will all jump to the conclusion, and the details in these cases are nothing. It is as when I began to tell my young nephews about the Battle of Bannockburn. There were the English, and there stood the Scotch. "'Which whipped, uncle?' cried the three at once. Details unnecessary. But there was no battle in this case. I inferred it was all settled by amicable arbitration. I shall not tell it at length as I did the other, but it is precisely the same, except the young man in this other case was not employed, except in the ordinary manner. The young man's services were needed, and he was employed. He finally became private secretary to the millionaire, and with equally fatal results. In this case, however, the father asked his exemplary and able young man to look after his sons during his absence. This necessitated visits to the residence at the country house, and sports and games with his sons. My friend forgot he had a daughter, and he should not have done this. When you become not only heads of business, but heads of families, you should make a note of this, and not think your sons everything. The private secretary, who was requested to attend to the sons, somehow or another, getting his instructions verbally, seems to have understood them as having a slightly wider range. The daughter apparently needed most of his attention. But note this. 
these two young men won the confidence and captured the judgment and admiration of their employers businessmen first and then fell in love with the daughters you will be perfectly safe if you take matters in the same order of precedence value of a business career perhaps i may be permitted without going too far beyond the scope of my text to make a few remarks upon the influence of a business career upon men as compared with other pursuits first then i have learned that the artistic career is most narrowing and produces such petty jealousies unbounded vanities and spitefulness as to furnish me with a great contrast to that which i have found in men of affairs music painting sculpture one would think should prove most powerful in the beneficent effects upon those who labor with them as their daily vocation experience however shows against this perhaps because of the work or the performance of artists is so highly personal so clearly seen being brought directly before the public that petty passions are stimulated however that may be i believe it will not be controverted that the artistic mind becomes prejudiced and narrow but understand i speak only of classes and of the general effect everywhere we find exceptions which render the average still more unsatisfactory in regards to what are called the learned professions we notice the effect produced by specialization in a very marked degree in the ministerial class this is not so marked in our day because leaders in that great function permit themselves a wider range of subjects than ever before and are dealing less with creeds and formulas and more and more with the practical evils and shortcomings of human life in its various phases this naturally broadens the mind it has been held that the legal profession must tend to make clear but narrow intellects and it is pointed out that the great lawyers have seldom risen to commanding position and power over their fellows this does not mean that men who study the law become unsatisfactory legislators or statesmen and rulers if it did our country of all others should be in a bad way because we are governed by lawyers but the most famous americans who have been great men were not great lawyers that is they have seldom attained the foremost rank in the profession but have availed themselves of the inestimable advantage which the city of law confers upon statesmen and developed beyond the bounds of the profession we are reminded that the great lawyer and the great judge must deal with rules and precedents already established the lawyer follows precedents but the ruler of men makes precedents merchants and professional men the tendency of all professions it would seem must be to make what is known as the professional mind clear but narrow now what may be claimed for business as a career is that the man in business is called upon to deal with an ever-changing variety of questions he must have an all-round judgment based upon knowledge of many subjects it is not sufficient for the great merchant and business man of our day that he knows his country well its physical conditions its resources statistics crops waterways its finances in short all conditions which affect not only the present but will give him data upon which he can predict with some degree of certainty the future 
the merchant whose operations extend to various countries must also know these countries and also the chief things pertaining to them his view must be world-wide nothing can happen of moment which had not its bearing upon his action political complications at constantinople the appearance of the cholera in the east monsoon in india the supply of gold at cripple creek the appearance of the colorado beetles or the fall of a ministry the danger of war the likelihood of arbitration compelling settlement nothing can happen in any part of the world which he has not to consider he must possess one of the rarest qualities be an excellent judge of men he often employs thousands and knows how to bring the best out of various characters he must have the gift of organization another rare gift must have executive ability must be able to decide promptly and wisely now none of these rare qualities is so absolutely essential to the specialist in any branch or profession he follows a career therefore which tends not only to sharpen his wits but to enlarge his powers different also from any other careers that it tends not to specialization and the working of the mind within narrow grooves but tends to develop in a man capacity to judge upon wide data no professional life embraces so many problems none other requires so wide a view of affairs in general i think therefore that it may justly be said for the business career that it must widen and develop the intellectual powers of its devotee on the other hand the professional career is immeasurably nobler in this that it has not for its chief end the ignoble aim of money-making and is free from the gravest danger which besets the career of business which is in one sense the most sordid of all careers if entered upon in the wrong spirit to make money is no doubt the primary consideration with most young men who enter it i think if you will look into your hearts you will find this to be true but while this may be the first it should not be the last consideration there is the great use which a man can perform in developing the resources of his country in furnishing employment to thousands in developing inventions which prove of great benefit to the race and help it forward the successful man of affairs soon rises above the mere desire to make money as the chief end of his labors that is superseded by thoughts of the uses he performs in the line which i have just mentioned the merchant soon finds his strongest feeling to be that of pride in the extent of his international operations in his ships sailing every sea the manufacturer finds in his employees and in his works in machinery in improvements in the perfection of his factories and methods his chief interest and reward the profitable return they make is chiefly acceptable not because this is mere money but because it denotes success there is a romantic as well as prosaic side to business the young man who begins in a financial firm and deals with capital invested in a hundred different ways in bonds upon our railway systems in money lent to merchant and to the manufacturer to enable them to work their wonders soon finds romance in business unlimited room for the imagination he can furnish credit worldwide in its range his simple letter will carry the traveller to the farthest part of the earth 
he may even be of service to his country in a crisis as richard morris the great merchant in philadelphia was to general washington in the revolutionary cause or as in our own day our great bankers have been in providing gold to our government in several crises to avert calamity the vanished prejudice against trade if the young man does not find romance in his business it is not the fault of the business but the fault of the young man consider the wonders the mysteries connected with the recent developments in that most spiritual of all agents electricity with its unknown and perhaps even unguessed of powers he must be a dull and prosaic young man who being connected with electricity in any of its forms is not lifted from humdrum business to the region of the mysterious business is not all dollars these are but the shell the kernel lies within and is to be enjoyed later as the higher faculties of business man so constantly called into play develop and mature there was in the reign of militarism and barbarous force much contempt for the man engaged in trade how completely has all this changed but indeed the feeling was of recent origin for if we look further back we find the oldest families in the world proud of nothing but the part they played in business the wool-sack and the galley still flourish in their coat of arms one of the most perhaps the most influential statesman in england to-day is the duke of devonshire because he has the confidence of both parties he is the president of the barrel steel company the members of the present conservative cabinet were found to hold sixty-four directorships in various trading manufacturing and mining companies in britain to-day not how to keep out of trade but how to get in it is the question the president of the french republic a man with a marvellous career has been a business man all his days the old feeling of aversion has entirely gone you remember that the late emperor of germany wished to make his friend the steel manufacturer krupp a prince of the empire but that business man was too proud of his works and the son of his father and begged the emperor to excuse him from degrading the rank he at present held as king of steel herr krupp's son who has now succeeded to his father's throne i doubt not would make the same reply to-day at present he is a monarch equal to his emperor and from all i know of the young king krupp just as proud of his position the old prejudice against trade has gone even from the strongholds of europe this change has come because trade itself has changed in old days every branch of business was conducted upon the smallest retail scale and small dealings in small affairs breed small men besides every man had to be occupied with the details and indeed each man manufactured or traded for himself the higher qualities of organization and of enterprise of broad views and of executive ability were not brought into play in our day business in all branches was conducted upon so gigantic a scale that partners of a huge concern are rulers over a domain the large employer of labor sometimes has more men in his industrial army than the petty german kings had under their banners 
It was said of old that two of a trade never agree. Today the warmest friendships are formed in every department of human effort among those in the same business. Each visits the other's counting-house, factory warehouse, and are shown the different methods and all the improvements and inventions, and freely adapt them to their own business. Affairs are now too great to breed petty jealousies, and there is now allied with a desire for gain the desire for progress, invention, improved methods, scientific development, and pride of success in those important matters, so that the dividend which the businessman seeks and receives today is not alone in dollars. He receives with the dollar something better, a dividend in the shape of satisfaction and being instrumental in carrying forward to higher stages of development the business which he makes his life work. Rewards of a Business Career I can confidently recommend to you the business career as one in which there is abundant room for the exercise of man's highest power and of every good quality in human nature. I believe the career of the great merchant, or banker, or captain of industry, to be favorable to the development of the powers of the mind and to the ripening of the judgment upon a wide range of general subjects, to freedom from prejudice and the keeping of an open mind. And I do know that permanent success is not obtainable except by fair and honorable dealing, by irreproachable habits and correct living, by the display of good sense and rare judgment in all the relations of human life, for credit and confidence fly from the businessman foolish in word and deed, or irregular in habits, or even suspected of sharp practice. There may be room for a foolish man in every profession, foolish as a child beyond the range of his specialty, and yet successful in that, but no man ever saw a foolish businessman successful, if without sound all-round judgment he must fail. The business career is thus a stern school of all the virtues, and there is one supreme reward which it often yields which no other career can promise. I point to noble benefactions which it renders possible. It is to businessmen following business careers that we chiefly owe our universities, colleges, libraries, and educational institutions, as witness Girard, Lehigh, Chicago, Harvard, Yale, Cornell, and many others. What monument can a man leave behind him productive of so much good, and so certain to hand his name down to succeeding generations, hallowed with the blessings of thousands in each decade who have within its walls received the most precious possession, a sound and liberal education? These are the works of men who recognize that surplus wealth was a sacred trust, to be administered during the life of its possessor, for the highest good of his fellows. If, then, some business men may fall subject to the reproach of grasping, we can justly claim for them as a class what honest Thomas Cromwell claimed for the greatest cardinal, and say, quote, If they have a greed of getting, yet in bestowing, they are most princely, as witness these seats of learning. Close quote. End of the Empire of Business, Section 8, Business, Part 2.